Welcome to the Crossroads Podcast. This is Andrew Vitelli, your host. Thank you for tuning in. Our guest today is Cassidy DeLine, the founder and CEO of Linea Energy. Cassidy founded Linea in November, and earlier this year, the firm secured a significant capital commitment from NCAP Investment. Cassidy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Andrew. Happy to be here. Oh, great. So Cassidy, I, I want to get into the founding of your company and where you're focused. But first, can you talk a little bit about your background in the energy sector uh, before founding Linea? Sure, uh, absolutely. I have been in the energy sector since there was uh, just two, two gigawatts total of, of solar installed in the U.S. So I have seen the, the ups and downs of this industry, saw, saw a change in tax law, Pass literally the, the eve before trying to close a big tax equity transaction, been through the ups and downs of module tariffs. And, you know, now we're, we're, I think, really entering a new phase of renewable energy development in the U.S. Uh, we have the IRA behind us and it feels like the industry has just had a lot of gasoline um, poured on it. Um, but that comes with uh, a number of challenges as, as well as opportunities. And so, you know, where, where there was two gigawatts installed when I started in this industry, we're now looking at single projects that, that are a, a good portion of, of that. Um, and if you look at where we need to go and what we need to add to the grid as an industry in terms of um, renewable deployment and, and, and also storage deployment, we need to continue to accelerate. We need to continue to get better and, and faster at what we've been doing. Um, prior to Linea, I was uh, chief commercial officer at Cypress Creek um, and uh, helped, helped build that company and take it through the successful sale to EQT. Very proud of, of what we did there and what we accomplished and what that team continues to accomplish. And prior to that, uh, was also on the, the team at Recurrent Energy that took Recurrent through the sale to Canadian Solar. Um, so, so my background is really being at developers in the, in, in the building process and, and in the scaling process and then taking that through, um, a, a successful monetization event. Uh, so I'm excited to be doing that literally from, uh, the starting line at, at Linea, um, and excited to see where it goes. So until last year, you were you were still with Cypress Creek, and then you made the decision to leave and to start a new company from scratch, which, uh, of course, is a very daunting task uh, in any industry, particularly one like renewables that's, that's kind of so dynamic. What Can you talk about that decision? What made you want to build something from the ground? Curiosity, in, in part, really uh, the desire to start from the very beginning, um, which is not something that I had done at, at Cypress or Recurrent. Uh, I also, as I mentioned, I, th I think the industry is at a turning point. And, and there's a number of things that uh, all of us at, at Linea who have deep backgrounds across the renewable space are bringing from our prior careers and, and our prior um, experiences in terms of best practices. But there's also things that we think we can push on and the things that we think we can change. And so it was really that opportunity to start with a blank slate, to pull back the covers on the development process and, and really make sure that we're pressure testing every step of the process to make sure it makes sense to ask ourselves, we can do it better, um, how we can change it. 
And it was that desire to uh, really think critically about, you know, not just the end product, but also the process and, and improving that process that led me to Linea. And I think a lot of our listeners and InfraLogic's readers uh, work in or work or have worked with the energy sector and the renewable energy sector, but probably only a handful have done what you've done, which is start a firm from scratch uh, and get a major investment. What was what did that take? What was that like? What experience would you relay to somebody else who's thinking of doing that? Uh, I will say that there are small things that I didn't necessarily appreciate before that I now appreciate quite a bit, like having internet in an office or uh, having having healthcare. All of those things take a tremendous amount of time and, and energy, uh, and you know it's it's a really incredible learning experience. Uh, going through all of that, I feel incredibly lucky to have. NCAP as our equity partner and and really our 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 partner in doing this. Uh, and they ask the right questions, they push us in all of the right ways. And so not only do they, you know, provide us the, the rocket fuel to to grow the business, but they're they're also a really amazing thought partner. Um, and uh, you know, I think we will we will continue to to learn from them. Uh, which is which is a very uh, very exciting place to be. Well, thank you, Cassidy, and it will be uh, very exciting to watch. So, when we last spoke, you told me that by post twenty twenty six, you expect the firm to develop at least um, one gigawatt per year of generation and storage projects. Now, there are a lot of renewables firms, a lot of renewable focused developers out there. Where does Linea fit in, and? Where do you see opportunities and where do you see maybe parts of the market that aren't being filled right now? This is a crowded space and we're, we're very clear eyed about that. Uh, you know, we also, I, I know that any project, there's a million things that can go wrong. Uh, and it's not a matter of when you get that, when you wake up and you you have a day where where something has gone drastically wrong on a project. It's a matter of the the tools in your toolkit and and how quickly you can recover and rebound from that. And 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 that's really what makes a a good and an enduring developer. For Linea, we um, we have a team with really deep experience, uh, and we're really excited about the team that we've built and and that we're building um, across finance, across development. Across technologies uh, and and bringing together some some common but but also diverse experiences to take the best of those. We're incredibly committed to the concept of continuous improvement, and we are we're truly looking at every step of the development process to figure out how we can make it faster, how we can make it better, how we can have more conviction uh, around the projects that we are advancing through our pipeline. So what that means is. You know, we're, we're taking a bit of a money ball approach to development. Uh, we're very analytical and analysis heavy, analysis heavy in the early part of the process so that we have, that we're arming ourselves with as much information as, as we possibly can before we even make the first call to a landowner. Uh, and you know, if you, if you look at attrition rates in the, in the industry today, those are likely only going to go up because of the, um, the status of the queues because of the 
increasing negative sentiment towards, towards renewables and local communities. And so we think that with more information, with more analysis, we can develop smarter and we can develop faster. We're also seeing an opportunity in the M&A marketplace. This is a year of, of capital recycling across the industry, and there's a number of companies that are selling down um, portions of their portfolio uh, or uh, minority stakes in their portfolio, and we see an opportunity in that. Well, thank you for that, Cassidy. And I know that Linea is going to focus across wind, solar, and storage. Is there more of a focus on one technology than any other? And do you see opportunities for other uh, renewable resources in the future? We are. We definitely think of ourselves as a, a company that's committed to the energy transition. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is that there's, there's no one technology that is going to enable this transition. Um, we, we're very focused on designing and building a portfolio that works to mitigate risks across assets um, or said differently, ha- having specific projects that are either um, differing technologies or in locations that have disassociated risks and, and actually help mitigate the downside case. So we're using our portfolio as a bit of a natural hedge uh, against the other projects and thinking about projects that may be on the opposite side of a binding constraint um, in terms of uh, geographic siting uh, or, or obviously various technologies, you know, whether wind or solar have differing generation profiles and, and storage is, is a clear op- risk offsetting um, characteristic relative to the generating technologies. We are actively looking at um, other technologies um, and, and we'll add that to our plan and our pipeline uh, as we continue to develop. So one, one word that I think I've, I've used more than uh, maybe any other in this podcast and in my writing to a, to a large degree when describing the renewables sector is cross-currents. Because over the last few years, you've seen a lot of positives and a lot of challenges uh, in the sector. The positives obviously are continuing interest in expanding renewable generation, continuing and growing interest among corporates for renewable offtake. And then, of course, the Inflation Reduction Act, which created all these incentives and opportunities. But at the same time, I think there have been challenges in the sector that that the sector really hasn't seen since it started growing uh, at the at the rate it has been, and among these, I think first and foremost has been supply chain issues over the last few years, and that includes challenges with trade, that includes just uh, shortages, increasing prices, overall inflation, and now on top of that, you also have rising interest rates, which have really affected particularly the M&A market, where do you see the overall state of the renewable industry right now? How, how do you see these, um, these opportunities and these challenges interacting? There's, there's a lot of turmoil in the market right now uh, that has been introduced by the tail of supply chain issues, but we're seeing, we're seeing that start to turn back in favor of developers both with regard to dropping lithium pricing as well as drop, dropping silicon pricing and, and the effect on, on the core technologies. 
we're seeing that with the interest rate environment, which is also affecting the, the macro economy. Um, what is interesting about this, this industry is that we haven't yet really seen that affect the aggregate pool of liquidity, at least for bank debt. I, I think that we are going to start to see that. And we will see lenders become more selective uh, on the deals that they, that they choose to lend to. Uh, but so far, the, the impact on pricing has been relatively minimal in terms of spreads. Of course, there's, there's been a, a massive uptick over the last year in terms of, in terms of the base rate. My personal opinion that we're, we're going to start to see that, uh, that rise in interest rates abate, uh, given some of the turmoil in the bank markets of late, which will, which will be obviously beneficial to, to the industry if, if that does come to pass. And then you have IRA, which is this massive, incredibly powerful policy um, that, that gives the industry a long-term horizon to plan to in terms of the tax credits. But it's also introduced an incredible amount of uncertainty, uh, particularly given the, the delays in some of the guidance. We did just get guidance this morning uh, from the White House and, and from the Treasury on the energy communities which is which is very positive. So now at least we have something concrete that we can work towards uh, and that we can plan on. And we're still waiting on guidance on some of the other important aspects uh, with regard to the IRA. So how do you approach that as an energy firm? The fact that there is this massive this massive bill with all these incentives and there's going to be kind of a rush to tap them. But at the same time, there's uncertainty in exactly how to do that. It's, you know, there has to be somewhat of a balance between: do I wait for clarity, do I, or do I make sure I'm not missing opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's really hard. And I mean, this this is an industry that's all about calculated risks, and so uh, it's it's making making those calculated risk decisions uh, and and not making the ones that that are going to be too punitive. I think that you know, from from my perspective, some of the delay that we've seen with regard to the guidance has likely slowed the industry down. Uh, people have been waiting for that guidance. And so that for Linea, given that we're, we're starting from um, square one, it is not necessarily a bad thing because that gives us a chance to, to catch up. And what are some of the biggest question marks that remain when you talk about these guidances that you and others in the industry are still awaiting? The, the guidance around domestic content uh, and, and the adder associated with domestic content is uh, very important. You, you have manufacturers that are moving forward with plans to build domestic content uh, manufacturing facilities, uh, but we don't yet have the guidance in terms of uh, what will enable equipment to actually qualify, if that's going to be at the component, uh, i.e. the module or the subcomponent level. I see. So that's a that's a big big component of these projects, and it'll be hard to work through a project without without that guidance in place. Um, and then the other the other factor when you talk about these these cross currents, although I guess even within the IRA there are cross currents. But on the subject of of the supply chain, uh, that's something when I've been talking to people in the industry, it's 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 really one of the biggest issues, um, especially early last year was. Do you have supply to build these projects? Um, how do you handle that as a new firm? Uh, do you have um, do you have a consistent supply? Is that something that's always on your mind on a project to project basis? It is, of course, something that's always on our mind. 
we are also thinking about uh, supply chain uh, on a project by project basis, yes, but also on a longer on a longer term basis and kind of thinking toward the longer term vision uh, and, and making sure that we're we're supporting that in, in terms of our supply chain discussions. We do have a uh, very unique position with our sponsor in NCAP and the relationships that they bring to the table in terms of supply chain that puts us in a preferential uh, position relative to uh, startups that, that may not have the benefit of those deep relationships. And how closely are you watching some of the policy issues um, on that front, both the way Customs is enforcing the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act and also the Auxin case, which obviously there was a, I think it was a two-year hold on any potential um, countervailing tariffs. But now now there's about a year left. And I imagine for, for certain projects, that's, starting, that's going to start to uh, to become a concern again. Yeah, it's absolutely going to become a concern again for for the timeline of our projects. Um, you know, we we assume that we're going to be right on the cusp of, of that hold on the um, on the anti circumvention uh, issue. So we're we're monitoring that very closely. It's it's very complicated, I and mean, you have to go into to the bill of materials and and all the way down the supply chain. So that's something that we're monitoring very closely. And I think it's it's our general opinion that we will see some sort of parity in pricing between Southeast Asia, which obviously will not qualify for the domestic content adder, and the the pricing from suppliers that that do offer domestic content modules. Right now, you see pricing that's really across the board, and I think that in the next coming years, we're going to see more consolidation and that pricing start to to reach parity. As, as you look at the economic benefits of the two options. All right. Well, definitely something to keep our eyes on. And you mentioned the M&A market right now. Obviously, it's been a, an interesting year for the last year and a half or, or so in the M&A market. But when I've been speaking to people in the market, I've heard that it's gone from somewhat of a seller's market to a buyer's market and that a lot of the, a lot of the platforms that are coming uh, that are coming to the market now aren't getting the same type of interest in part because of some of these headwinds and in large part because of rising interest rates. I'm also hearing there's a little bit of a disconnect in some cases between what sellers are expecting based on the way that things were a year ago and what buyers are willing to or, and what buyers are willing to pay. And I think uh, I think that the Inflation Reduction Act is also a factor here in that there is so much potential and so much uncertainty that it's natural for buyers and sellers to have somewhat different views of how to price that in. How, how do you see the M&A market right now? I think we have seen a little bit of a, a, a flip towards more of a buyer-friendly market. That said, we were starting from the opposite extreme. We we were starting from a place that was that was really a seller's market, and where, where sellers could command the price that they wanted. So I see it a little bit more as a correction, and the factors that have have pushed that correction are where we are in terms of of the macro um, economic climate and, and interest rates. I mean, this is these are these are fixed assets and. 
uh, the, the spread between debt and equity has gotten much tighter, which makes the returns on the, on the projects much tighter. That may not be at the forefront of a developer's mind when, when they're thinking in terms of cents per watt of a development fee. Um, but, but, it, but it does very much affect uh, real project returns. And then, of course, supply chain has, has really just slowed things down. And I think that supply chain is an opportunity for, for buyers as well to make themselves competitive on a non-price basis uh, by offering certainty of, of project advancement. I think, I mean, to, to add to that, you know, the, those are, you know, maybe the, the first issues to overcome in the M&A market. But there's, there's all of the uncertainty that IRA brings. Um, and, you know, IRA has, while it has increased the value of your average project, um, it has also decreased the value of the electron that, that that project delivers to the grid, um, really because of the, the surge of renewables that we see coming onto the grid. And so this is something that Linea is, is very, very focused on as we think about um, what solar and wind capture rates will be in the future uh, for, um, for around-the-clock pricing. And, you know, I think that is also a dynamic that still needs to be processed in, in the industry as a whole. And then you have situations like Texas, where the Texas legislature is contemplating this incredibly punitive package of bills to the renewables industry, um, you know, the, the most punitive of which would require renewables to be decommissioned and, and come off the grid by 2027. Um, and, and then kind of varying all the way to a, uh, a, a new permitting regime and 500 foot setbacks. And, and so, you know, those are very, very binary risks when you're talking about uh, buying or advancing a, a project. And I think that, you know, we need to, we need to, as an industry, continue to remind the, the local communities that we participate in uh, that, you know, we are investing in the communities. There's uh, millions of dollars of property taxes that are funding local schools, um, funding, funding local governments. Um, and that this, this wave of renewables is not antagonistic to the communities. But specific to M&A, you know, that risk like that cannot be binary to the seller. Um, they, they have to be shared, um, by the, the seller and the, and the, and the buyer. And of course, you know, we, we hope that in the, in the specific case of, uh, this, this package of bills in front of the Texas legislature, that common sense prevails and, uh, that many of these do not advance. That's just another specific example of what, what needs to be thought of and, and structured into some of these transactions. Well, thank you so much uh, for all that, Cassidy. And for people who want to learn more about your firm, where can they go? Linneyenergy.com. We're, we're actively building our team and, and we're looking for smart, convicted people who, who want to come join us. Well, thank you so much for that. And I know that description fits a lot of my listeners. So maybe there's a maybe there's some good fits out there. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for having me today. And thank you for tuning into Crossroads. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And please give us a five star rating so others can find our podcast. Until next time, this has been Crossroads. Crossroads.